From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. Every year, it seems we are gearing up for the holiday season earlier and earlier. And with that, consumers receive the green flag to spend. But the reality is, this time of year can be a financial hurdle for so many. In this episode of Financial Recon, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Christy Archuleta, a financial therapist as well as a professor of financial planning at the University of Georgia who helps us dive into steps we can take to help mitigate the urge to make emotional purchases. Well, Christy, thank you for joining me on the Financial Recon Podcast. Um, uh, I read that article, you know, do we shop because we're sad? And it's just, you know, such a timely piece. So thanks again for for joining me today. Yeah, this Uh, will be fun. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a good time. So, you know, holidays are a tinder box of emotions and you know, yesterday we spoke with Derek Hagen, a financial therapist and mm-hmm. you know, he mentioned a lot with the holidays comes around emotional flooding and so forth. And with the holiday season, you know, setting up here, I think it could set people up for a lot of financial ruin as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, with that toxic combo, um, why why is it so potent for people? Yeah, so I think you just you just hit it. It's it's a really toxic combo it can be. So we're flooded like Derek was probably talking about yesterday, flooded with different emotions around the holidays in terms mm-hmm. of family dynamics, remembering people who maybe aren't present, um, maybe you wish you were present, um, dealing with family conflict that might be happening, the stress of just everything, being where you need to be, when you need to be there, having, you know, everything look and appear perfect. If if that's kind of how you present yourself, you, you don't want people to think that there's something wrong with you or whatever. And so they just, it's, there's a number of reasons why the holidays are so extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. And so we couple that with the financial aspects in terms of money is just an emotional thing. Anyhow, I often talk to my students about, you know, we don't really walk around thinking about how does money make me feel? We just kind of react to it. We don't realize that this is an emotionally charged issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it starts early in our lives and then we create these quote unquote scripts as uh, doctors Klontz and Klontz would say <laughs> um, in terms of having those, those, uh, those unconscious beliefs around money. And so I think that really comes to play around the holidays because now there's not only this emotional charged aspect of money, now there's this expectation that Mm -hmm. you have to bring food for Thanksgiving or whatever, or maybe you're hosting it and you're, you need to, to provide it. And maybe you're doing a family Thanksgiving. Maybe you're doing a friend's Thanksgiving. Maybe you're, you're doing all these different sorts of gatherings. And there's this expectation there that you 
present yourself. You look the uh, look the part. You but there's also that financial piece that goes into making it look that way. And the same is true for the holidays. Add on top of all of the stress and the overwhelming aspects of the holidays, then there's this gift giving piece. So what does that look like in your family? And is there an expectation for the the type of gift that you're you're supposed to be taking to whatever? Um, And not only just like what type, but then what kind of amount are you supposed to be spending? And it's not even just, you know, I've been talking a little bit about external family giving, but like your your core family. Um, So your children and what does that look like? Um, And do your children have this expectation that these are the types of gifts that they're supposed to receive? And so you feel like you need to accommodate them. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of money (laughs) at the holiday time and not we don't always prepare to be able to spend that amount of money at holiday time. And so if we're not planning for it, then it becomes stressful, overwhelming. And then we we really are, quote unquote, paying for it, you know, after the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. you might put it on, you know, credit and the, then start paying for it after the beginning of the year because we haven't been prepare, preparing to pay for that. So, um, again, that's just adding more stress to an already stressful time. Do you, do you think that? Bringing back those old uh, Christmas like accounts, the Christmas savings clubs, and things like that, that would be helpful in relieving that stress. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who do that, and there are some places that that offer. You know, they might not call it you know Christmas savings, but they they have some yeah. sort of option. You know, you can put money away for for the holidays. Um, I do think that that is helpful for for people who take advantage of that. They feel more prepared. Um, they it does lower the stress um, that they experience come time to to pay, and they have boundaries. They have a, they have a budget in which they're planning to spend. They kind of have an idea um, of what they're going to get get kids or get their family members um, for for the holidays. Um, but yeah, it definitely is a helpful tool. Just don't always take advantage of those helpful tools, even though we may know like, mm, yeah, I probably should do that, but I don't. Right, right. And I also, I, I feel like those have kind of almost fallen by the wayside, you know, mm-hmm. like in the, since at least I, I I was a kid, I mean, I remember them being prevalent and now it's like. Thing I can think of like one place that offers that stuff or two. Yeah, and sometimes um, you actually have to ask about it. It's not always even advertised. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. And so maybe yeah. the local institution may actually have that. Um, but you know, obviously with COVID, a lot of us have delayed these you know gatherings in the last year, like we were just talking about prior to starting this uh, recording. You know, like, I'm going to see my family for the first time in two years now. Um, do you think, like, these, you know, these situations, the, the this overspending has a, a possibility of being exacerbated this year with these gatherings? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for, especially for families who haven't seen each other in a long time, I think it's going to be kind of awkward for families. 
Yeah. Just because you, you know, you, you haven't been together and you skipped, it's like you quote unquote skipped. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, for good reason. But, um, so it's been like this really long period and you know that you can do the holidays without your family and maybe you might have even enjoyed it. But now you're back into this um, pattern where there's this expectation that now we can get back out. We can we can travel to go see family. And so I think that there's going to be some awkward aspects of it. Just, you know, when you haven't been a part of something for a while, just re-socializing yourself to how you are in in your family dynamics and it could be and I'm thinking for you like you haven't seen your your parents for a long time and so a lot of times what happens I'm totally sidetracking by the way sorry Mike (laughs) oh no 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 please go but sometimes what happens and maybe you felt like this before but when you go back home or you're visiting your family you turn into like that 16 year old self again and so your parents treat you <laughs> like you were 16 that's that's like how they see you <laughs> or maybe even younger no yeah you're absolutely right we've been down that road plenty of times yeah yeah so we might see some more interesting dynamics because we've kind of been away from interacting as all adults does that make sense yeah, and well, having grown up in North Jersey, the land of malls, it's easy to yeah. if you're feeling uh, feeling blue to uh-huh. go spend that dough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, so yeah, so then yeah, bringing that back around to the mm-hmm. family aspect, it might be exasperated because now you're making up for what you missed last year. Yeah, and that's and that's something that I'm just I was thinking about it in preparing for our discussion. I was like, you know, thinking, listen, you have skipped a year, so now you have grandparents and so forth who may feel the urge to compensate for that yeah. missed period or aunts mm-hmm. and uncles. How does that translate to their does that emotional uh spending start to take over? And I guess with that, like, people also are going to start to feel anxiety about these holidays and so forth. And I, I guess, like, how how do they cope with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I think we just really need to be open with our family members about, like, okay, what is this going to look like? In fact, I was actually having conversation with cousins on two different sides of my own family. (laughs) Like, okay, when we get together, what is this going to look like? And just figuring out like where everybody is, what's the, what's the situation look like? What's the expect? I mean, we even talked about that. What's the expectation for gifts? Yeah. And so on, on one side, we're going to do, you know, like a white elephant exchange of some sort. We haven't exactly figured it out, but we'll have like a limit, a spending limit per present. Um, and then on the other side, we decided we don't we're not going to do gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody is in a position to be able to give gifts. And so we don't want anyone to feel um, like they need to bring a gift. And so we just don't want that expectation to be there. And we don't want to cause any financial harm um, to, to anybody in the family. And so I think when people know what's going on, it's really helpful to have a conversation about 
this is this is what we can handle because we don't want someone to feel feel that way. We might have that longing to to make the holidays look a certain way or like what we envision like they they used to be or you know however the Bing Crosby yes yes like oh remember when we used to have these big gifts exchange blah 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 <sighs> and everybody brought gifts for everybody but. Let's just ha- let's have a discussion on, you know, what everybody can do now. Let's just be open and honest about it. Um, so oftentimes we are not we because we don't talk about money. Right. We don't talk about money with our family. We don't talk about money with our friends. Heck, couples and spouses don't even <laughs> talk about money with each other sometimes. Right. So, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, but if we did, then it would just lower everyone's anxiety because then the expectations can. Are you trying to put the blood pressure company uh, medications out of business? Yeah, (laughs) yes, exactly, exactly. So that, yeah, those anti-anxiety medications we want to not have to use those. But just just imagine what that would look like if we had those conversations up front prior. While we're planning what what the event is going to look like, my sister and I were like, we're in it for the food anyway. So, <laughs> so <laughs> how, how whatever for us, you know, obviously you may know like, hey, this that there's a, a family member who may have, you know, fallen on hard times right now. And they, you know, they're embarrassed to, to say mm-hmm. that. How do you facilitate that conversation so as to not make them feel awkward and, you know, make them run out and put themselves in more financial hurt because of this? Yeah, that's a good question. I think sometimes it can just start with, you know, like a one one on one conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe someone has had medical issues. um, They've been ill Um, they have maybe lost a job or something like that. And so someone in the family probably knows that. And whoever feels comfortable in talking to them like, hey, you know, what should Christmas look like this year? What should the holiday or the holiday that we're celebrating? What what should that look like this year? And um, like, what's what's doable for you? And just having a really open, honest conversation. And I think that person is going to feel or that family is going to feel like, hey, you know what? They really care about us. They're, they're paying attention to us. Um, and it might be a hard conversation to have, but they'll probably feel better afterwards knowing like, okay, I, you know, I just have to bring a casserole. Or I just have to bring the fruitcake or whatever right. it is that, that you bring to your, um, or maybe they, they don't want us to bring anything. Um, when we have those conversations, even though they're hard and we do it from an empathic place where we're really trying to empathize with someone else, um, really trying to seek to understand what's going to work for them. People appreciate that. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm asking your listeners this, but think of a time where someone maybe had a hard conversation with you. What could have been a hard conversation, or around a hard topic, but they did that out of empathy, mm-hmm. and how they did that with you, or how you've had that conversation with someone else, or a similar hard conversation. And you approached it with a lot of empathy and grace. 
And so it's the same, some of those same components, this, this harsh startup or not harsh startup, the soft startup. We don't want it to be harsh is what I meant to say, (laughs) but this soft startup where we we're inquiring about how things are going, you know, how, how life has been. I know that you lost your job or I know you've been really ill and I know that this, you know, this might not be a great time for you kind of. Let's let's think about what we can do around the holidays to to help you um, mm-hmm. or to facilitate a, a gathering that you're comfortable in participating in. So um, I think when we come with from a place where we're really seeking to understand and we really want that that person to feel comfortable, that that's really what it's all about. Because, you know, like, as you're saying this, I start to think of the, uh, I'm a big Office fan, and uh-huh. Michael Scott's infamous, Christmas is the best time to say, I love you this many dollars worth. Right. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, that's when we are, uh, we get around the holidays, we start to think like that. Yeah. And that article that Talked about, you know, am, am I buying this sat, uh, sweater because I'm sad? Mm-hmm. Comes into play. Yeah. And that is possible for these folks who are in those rough financial situations that they may be doing that and creating more detriment to their financial situation than or- originally started. Yeah, definitely. So I want to bring up two things here, Mike. So Sure. There's quite a bit of research around how giving to others. So when we're thinking about spending, when we give to others, we actually increase our own well-being. We feel better when we give to others and buy for ourselves. So keep that in mind. But Mm -hmm. we also feel better when we spend money on experiential types of events rather than materialistic types of events. So, you know, buying you know, sweaters or <laughs> I only bring up sweaters because you mentioned sweaters. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Clothing, jewelry, whatever it might be, is a different kind of spending than spending on experiences. And that and that mm-hmm. includes family gatherings. And so kind of reframing how we think about spending, I think is helpful for all of us that we do sometimes get tied up in this is a time where I show you how much I love you by how much I spend on you and how much my gift is that I'm I'm bringing to you. Mm-hmm. But if we reframe how we're thinking about spending and we think about, all right, actually from research, having more time increases our well-being than um increasing how much time we have than having more money that increases our well-being so when we think we have more time then that's better for our own well-being than how much um how much money we have so again that applies i think to the holidays because that time factor that we have carved out time Mm -hmm. to spend with our families and so those experiences are going to be much more valuable for our own well-being and for others, hopefully, <laughs> then how much money we have or how much money we're spending on on material things. So I think that's that's one thing to recognize 
Um, even though we've created this culture around spending and, and we do that, we show how much we love you. We show much how we love another person based on what type of gift and how much we're spending on them. Mm-hmm. So kind of retraining how we think about spending. We should really be spending more time and giving and on experiential aspects. Do you think out of COVID, we're going to see an uptick in that as well? Experience spending? Yes, I think so. I, I'll be interested agree. to see what, what research is going to come out and saying. Um, but I, I do think we're going to see more experiences. I think we're going to see more effort given towards having family experiences. Um, so even gathering around the holidays, maybe you had, maybe you kind of like drifted away, like, you know, you know, may, may or may not get together over the holidays. Um, but now you're making it a, a point to make sure that you're, you find some location where everybody's kind of, it's central to everybody um, and, and you can meet with them. So I think that's going to become more of a priority for people. Um, I strayed away from your question earlier on um, the emotional spending part mm-hmm. um, because I think I do think that part of this is we need to reframe how we think about our spending and giving. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in terms of uh, not on this show, but <laughs> <laughs> offline. We've talked about how the spending. So for some people. This is a coping mechanism. Spending is a coping mechanism. Right. And so it turns into the cycle of I spend, I feel better. I'm on this emotional high. I feel better about myself. But then shortly after, I feel a lot of guilt and regret because, one, I didn't need that item. Two, I didn't necessarily have the money to spend on it. And so now I'm feeling not only guilt and regret, I feel really bad about myself. And so then what do I do to make myself feel better? I go buy something else. And I do think that we see a little uptick in that um, around the holidays because there's a lot of reasons to be out shopping. So I can make a lot of excuses to do shopping. So, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just browsing for my niece or my nephew, or I'm browsing for my children and trying to get ideas or my partner. But really that's my excuse to go to a store or go online and do shopping. Mm -hmm. And so if that's my impulse is to buy something because it's going to make me feel better for a little while, um, I, I've just given myself a whole lot more access <laughs> and reason to do it. So one thing that you touched on, and I'm kind of backtracking here for a second, was about giving to people. It's almost mm-hmm. like you read this note I had. So <laughs> do you think, again, out of COVID and with the holidays we have Giving Tuesday coming up. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to see another? We're going to see more upticks, not only this year but in f- the subsequent years, mm. in giving to charitable organizations. Ooh, that's a good question. I'd like to say yes. I think we will this year. I don't know. 
I don't even like to pretend like I think I know <laughs> in the future years. Or do you think it's knows? tied to like the like a lot of the like I mean the the money moving through the system and all, yeah. people kind of like a pent up demand in giving mm-hmm. as well, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think that we recognize that there are a lot of places that are in need. Um, that are helping people during this really, what's really been a difficult two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think that, that that giving peace will be a priority for people. I think we also have to keep in mind that with the inflation rising so much that that's going to have an impact on how much people can spend and how much they can give. Right. Um, so I think there's going to be a little bit of a battle here because the money didn't go. It's not going quite as far as it did a year ago. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What are your <laughs> thoughts? I'm curious to know what your thoughts. Can I ask questions to you? Yeah. <laughs> no. Thoughts I, on this? I mean, <gasps> you know, I, because we're involved with a lot of charitable organizations and I, I'm really kind of curious. I, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like so, some people are going to feel um, they feel like they don't deserve the government money. And mm-hmm. so they're going to compensate by making these charitable donations, which is good. But um, I think, like you said, inflation is a, <clears throat> is a realistic concern for some families. I mean, I don't know about, others but we go to the grocery store and we see it just like everybody else you know like mm-hmm. things are ticking up and i mean i i have friends uh, have my you know auto mechanic shops they tell me about the pricing i mean everything's going and so <clears throat> i know people want to be charitable that they have it in their hearts because we saw what they did last year but i and I feel like they're trying to compensate as well because they feel some feel guilty for getting this money, but I just don't know how, if that's going to be eroded because of, you know, um, inflation pressures. And you're seeing it, I mean, right here in the triangle, we're having a lot of um, labor strife amongst school oh, yeah. stuff. And, you know, wage inflation is real. And I feel like it's a, byproduct of immigration policies because that always filled that delta that mm-hmm. you know immigration always served the purpose in filling a worker shortage and when we had immigration policies that weren't necessarily accommodating to the labor force it's gonna you know decisions a couple of years as always in economics and everything mm-hmm. it kind of is trickling through and i i think people are going to see that so that's what happens when you ask me a question i give <laughs> no i think that's great i think it's going to be an interesting headwind for charities uh but mm-hmm. then you know the flip side is stock markets at all-time highs are we going to yep. see highly appreciated stock donations a lot of yep. that so um, it'll be, it's definitely, maybe that's the next paper for you, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the, the, how people's giving mechanisms in, uh, yeah. at, uh, as a byproduct of COVID. Uh-huh. So I guess like when we look at all the stuff put into the hopper and, you know, 
you're sitting there at the holidays. Maybe you're feeling a little sad and like you're sitting on your phone. You're ready to start buying things because of, and you're here and get out there and buy early because of the the supply chain issues. Yeah. We hadn't even talked about the accessibility yeah. of, of things yeah, that well, we might normally buy. I'm like, man, I, I mean, me personally, I'm like, I never shop until like, yeah. I, this is actually embarrassing, but I don't really shop until like a couple weeks before Christmas. Oh, <laughs> and wow. um, yeah, I'm going right to have to, I need to get my act together because I might not be able to get what I'm really wanting to get others. So yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting to 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 read about some of the you know behaviors that have changed even like the Black Friday sales have shifted you know now Halloween's being encroached upon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and how do you know how's one to fight these emer- emotional urges because it's so e- just like you know gambling or Stock trading can be at your fingertips now. Shopping's been there a long time. Mm -hmm. How does one fight these urges? Yeah. So this is just a reminder. So this slight side, (laughs) slight sidetrack for just for a second. But my daughter and I, we were in the car the other day and she, she's learning. She's in second grade. She's learning all about these different types of of writing. And one of them was persuasive writing. And so she tells us all about what persuasion is. And (laughs) she said, I don't like it when they come on here and they persuade us to try to buy something. And first of all, I'm like, you're an eight year old. (laughs) I can't believe you're talking like that. Number two, I was like, I don't really like it either. Um, But yeah, we constantly have messages persuading us no matter really where we are in terms of trying to get us to buy something or do something. And so, well, can I just interject? Like, it's funny you should say that because this morning I literally just tweeted. I said, you know how three months ago the financial media was sitting there saying retail's dead. And then this morning retail is having fantastic numbers. Oh yes. So they could purse. It's like a the difference in accrual, and cash-based accounting. They could, as Buffett always says, accrual is whatever you want it to basically look like. And mm-hmm. anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. So, yeah, so we have these messages all of the time that are just there at us. And shopping, buying, we can do it on our phone from anywhere, on our computers. It's so accessible. Or we can walk in a store, which are everywhere. Yeah. So... And it can be anything from as small as like a candy bar. I'm going to buy that candy bar that I don't want or don't need, but I'm going to buy it because it's going to satisfy me for a little bit. um, And I'm going to feel good about it for a little bit to, you know, really large ticket purchases. Um, So and everything in between. So if this is something that, you know, you struggle with. And I, that's the very first thing is that we have to recognize this is something I need to pay attention to. And until you recognize that you need to pay attention to it, you're probably going to ignore it. Um, there might be someone in your family that has this issue and that it's causing your family financial distress because of it. Um, maybe going to have a meeting with that person and, and talking with them like this is a serious issue. This is causing harm to actually all of us because it's putting us in financial distress. 
And so recognizing that this is an issue and then wanting to do something about it. And we talk all the time about how clients, they, uh, people in general, I talk in terms of a lot of, of clients, but um, mm-hmm. but people in general, we don't want to do something. We're not going to do something that we don't want to do. And so, you know, our kids are good examples of that. I don't know about <laughs> your kids, but my kids, it's like you can tell them to do something. You might have to tell them 15 times, but until they actually have some motivation to do it, like you're going to have your tablet taken away or you're going you're to wow. lose something. Have you been spying on us? I mean. <laughs> Until there's, you know, some sort of motivation, my, my, there, they're not going to do it. My kids, I got when they were younger, I used to terrify them. They're still scared of the snow shovel because I used to come <laughs> into their room with a snow shovel and plow all of the stuff out into the garbage. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah, we'll put that on their therapy bill. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There we go. Do you remember the time my dad like took shovels and took it through my room? Anyway, um, but it's really more about instead, you know, those are really external motivations. But really, someone has to be intrinsically motivated to do something different, meaning that they have this they have to have this inner desire to want to do something and change it, because that's the only way they're going to change it and change it for a long period of time. Right. So um, when you recognize that about yourself, identify what are those things that are triggering me to want to go to, you know, whatever store it is that you, you want to buy off of, like Amazon or, you know, whatever is at your, your fingertips. Right. Um, what is going on around you? And I think this is really important to recognize what is it that's triggering me? Is it because I'm bored? Is it because I am stressed? Is it because I'm feeling anxious about something? Is it because I'm trying to redirect my attention? And so I go do this thing. Um, How, how does it how am I feeling? So if I my hands start getting clammy, or um, my heart starts racing a little bit, or I'm feeling you know, my, I, I recognize that my fingers start tapping or my toes start tapping, whatever it might be. We all have these triggers, these physical triggers that we can recognize that ourselves in ourselves if we just pay attention. Um, so when we start recognizing these things, we start identifying the emotion that that goes along with whatever that that physical symptom or that, you know, butterflies in your tummy, whatever it might be. Um then we can start saying, okay, I recognize that my hands are starting to get cold or clammy or whatever it might be. Now might be a time where I'm starting to feel anxious or I'm starting to feel stressed. And so when I do that, I recognize that my go-to is to shop, to do some online shopping. Um, because I'm right here, I'm at my computer, it's easy to do. And so I need to remove that. <laughs> I need to go do something different. So maybe my my coping mechanism turns into, I'm going to go walk around the block, or I'm going to go walk around my house, or I'm going to go clean something, or I'm, you know, if I'm at work, I, I'm going to go down the hall, I'm going get to get a cup of coffee or, mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm going to go talk to someone. 
And then when I have done whatever I need to do, I'm, I'm going to do some deep breathing exercises. Um, I'm going to come back and I'm going to be in a different mindset. That That's the goal of going to do something different. It's kind of like retraining your brain. to And, like, and I mentioned this to Derek the other day, like kind of creating a priority speed bump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I like that. The a priority speed bump. So putting a speed bump in your way to to keep you from doing the thing that is really actually in the long term probably causing you harm. Um and you can do that with anything. I mean, really mm-hmm. all of that relates, you know, like eating or snacking or um, you know, gambling or whatever it might be, whatever the addiction might be. Um Online those are all stock things. trading. Online stock trading. All of those are, um, we have to recognize what is our body doing? What's the feeling attached to that? And, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can do. Like, you know, we make a, we can be very planful and make, a, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to the grocery store, for example. I think lots of impulse buys happen at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> well, you we know, it's, it's interesting for it. because we were just talking about Disney, right? Like yeah. Disney, when Disney went to those magic bands, oh, the percentage yes. of sales were, inc- I, I can't even quantify, but it was oh, yeah. like mind blowing Yeah, because you don't think about it. Tap, bam, yep. it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same, same concept with, you know, when you do the cash envelopes method of, mm-hmm. of budgeting, like. When your cash runs out in that envelope, that means you cannot spend any more in that. Right. Versus I'm just going to track my receipts and what's in my account. So whenever I swipe my debit card or my credit card, that's a whole lot easier than pulling that cash out physically. And so that's people have a hard time with that method because you you see it. So same concept with Disney. I mean, that was brilliant on their part. Uh, and probably easier yeah. <laughs> and more efficient in the long run. And now run. they charge know. you for that privilege right. to do that. Exactly. So that's even better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, even when we go to the grocery store and we're planning for the holidays, for example, you know, we have Thanksgiving coming up next week. You know, I'm already like, all right, what all are we going to have for Thanksgiving dinner? So let's plan out our menu. Let's plan out our menu, you know, for a regular week. And then let's identify what do we already have? Mm-hmm. What do we still need? And then what we need goes on to that, that grocery list. And we only buy what's on our grocery list. Right. I know I'm certainly guilty of going to the grocery store with a half-written grocery list. And then I come back with like, oh, shoot, we already had, you know, like three jars of pickles in the pantry. (laughs) I didn't need a fourth one. Um, And so if I would have just planned better and, you know, and wrote down that list and taken some time to to give myself some parameters, I I could have stayed on on target. And so that's one way that that we can Mm -hmm. also create those barriers. Same with the shopping list for the holidays. Uh, this is exactly what I'm going to get each person. This is my spending limit for each person um, or each gift or however you look at it. And I'm going to stick to this particular list. And this list needs to fit within my budget of what what I'm able to spend this year. And what I'm able to spend this year, like we've talked about, may not be what I was able to spend last year. Mm-hmm. It may be more, actually, or it may be less. Um and 
this is, these are our priorities. And then also another thing, just in thinking about holiday spending in general, we've talked about giving, like sitting down with our families. I'm again, maybe sidetracking a little bit. So thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But spending, you know, sitting down as a family and talking about how we're going to prioritize our giving. Like what, what a valuable conversation to have in front of your kids in terms of these are the organizations that we're supporting or we have supported all year long. And this is what our giving has looked like this year. And this is what we're going to do during this, this holiday time. And, and these are our, we can't give every, we can't give to everything. Right. Absolutely. these are what we're going to make a priority for this year. And maybe we decide these are our priorities every year, or this is our priority this year. And next year, we're going to focus in on these others. Um, but having that conversation about how much we're going to give, mm-hmm. how much we're able to give, and um, how we're going to prioritize that. Wow, what an incredible, powerful message that we give to our kids when we do no, that. No, that's that's a great. You know, I've had to do that as a business because, like, mm-hmm. you feel you start to feel drift. Yeah, and I think that's a you know that's something I'm actually going to take away. I'm going to sit down with the kids and say, "Hey," because we've done it in the past. We've taken them to the store, like when they were yeah. younger, and been like, "Here, we're gonna we're gonna do this." But you know, as they've gotten older, sometimes it's easy to fall out of that. They know, they know we do charitable things, but to have them more involved in that conversation, I think, is a, is a really healthy um, yeah. uh, thing to do. So um, I do have to ask one question before I let okay. you go. Okay. Uh-oh. Should I be nervous? No, no, okay. no. But <laughs> maybe in a couple of months if this doesn't go well. Is does the University of Georgia become the national champion Ooh. in football? Oh, I think we got a really, really good shot. Just as good a shot this year as I think any yeah. year. Yes, go dogs! There you go. I can't. I cannot top that. So, Christy, thank you so much for your time. Happy holidays to you and your family. And. Um, where can uh, folks uh, stay in, you know, stay tracking your research? What's the best ways to follow along? Sure. Yeah. So I do have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it very often. Um, but LinkedIn <laughs> is probably a little bit better to to follow me. Um, I'm trying to do a better job with LinkedIn. So that's <laughs> that's probably the best way. Or, you know, you can always just email me or mm-hmm. um, follow what we're doing on my university uh, bio page. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, the Pinnacle Financial Group, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPIC. Investment advice offered through the Pinnacle Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and separate entity 
from LPL Financial. The opinions voiced are for general information only. They're not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Dr. Christy Archuleta and the University of Georgia are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial, Flagship Wealth Management Group, or the Pinnacle Financial Group.